We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. Hey, you're listening to the November 6, 2017 College Football Show, a Road of His Radio podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at KylePollockFF, and joining me is my co-host, Jordan Hoover, uh, on Twitter at JHoover9787. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Kyle. Um, having... Uh finishing up NFL for the weekend right now we got the Raiders and the Dolphins just kicked off um fantasy lineups and everything and uh we had a pretty solid Saturday of college football uh, Bedlam lived up to its billing it was a wild shootout between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State we had Miami kind of make a statement everyone was sort of doubting them before the game against Virginia Tech they came out and won uh, and we had some absolute chaos in the Big Ten uh it was it was messy before this weekend, and now it's an absolute train wreck at the top. So we got a lot to a uh, lot to get into. Yeah, the playoffs picture uh, certainly got muddied up this week, and uh, I was pretty pleased overall with this weekend. I think there were seven uh, matchups with ranked opponents against each other, um, and certainly lived up to that billing. Um, so first game, like you mentioned, we're going to talk about is um, Bedlam, uh, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Certainly a shootout. Um, Baker Mayfield lived up to his billing uh, as the quarterback to beat in college football. Oklahoma won 62-52 to on the road. Uh, Mayfield uh, put up incredible numbers again. Um, 
24 for 36, 598 yards, five touchdowns, did have two interceptions. Um, you know, we, we've we've talked about him quite a bit. I don't want to go too deep into it, but um, with the way everyone else is playing in this quarterback class, um, I think he could potentially end up being my QB1. Um, he's certainly been the biggest riser for me out of all the quarterbacks this year. Um, I don't know if NFL guys will necessarily like him, but um, I know I do. So the two big takeaways for me from Oklahoma, though, um, at least in terms of NFL draft potential, um, Rodney Anderson uh, has been getting some work the past couple weeks. He was an athletic guy coming out last year. Um, got hurt to start uh, last season, so didn't play at all. He's 6'2", 218. Um, la- last three games, uh, his stat line reads 19 carries, 147 yards and a touchdown, 24 carries, 181 yards and a touchdown, and against Oklahoma State, 21 carries, 111 yards and a touchdown. So I'm glad to see him kind of get some run. I own him in some deeper Debbie leagues, um, so good to see him blow up there a little bit. Uh, Trey Sermon's been you know, losing some work to him. Um, he still had 10 carries this game, uh, got hurt the game before, didn't play. Um, and, and then Marquise Brown, their wide receiver, um, he's kind of been their top guy this year. He's a little smaller, but uh, certainly, you know, I, I don't know how he'll test, but he looks to be really, really fast. Um, he's only a sophomore and a little small, 5'11", 162, but nine catches, 262 yards, and two touchdowns in this game. Um, so I was, I was impressed with those two guys, um, you know, besides Mayfield, just because we talk about him so much. Um, but... Uh, other than that, not totally surprised by anything this game. Mason Rudolph wasn't too impressive. Justice Hill had a good game again for Oklahoma State, 228 rushing yards. And um, James Washington, again, did his thing. No surprise there. So um, this was certainly an entertaining game to watch. Yeah, and like you hit on, uh, Justice Hill looked really good. And every every time I kind of get a chance to watch him play, I sort of become more enamored with him. Um kind of talk about his size he's not necessarily a bigger back but he did handle 30 carries like you said went over 200 yards Marcel Aitman wide receiver for Oklahoma State has been kind of interesting he's another sort of big body guy he had six for 64 and two touchdowns in this game he's been playing well um, James Washington you know goes over 100 yards in a touchdown like he generally does yeah so I mean it was this is kind of I think this is pretty much kind of the way we expected it to go um Oklahoma's defense is still not fixed, and Oklahoma State's defense is probably not as good as we thought necessarily. It seemed like they were improving, but Baker Mayfield is seemingly carving anyone apart, so maybe that's not, maybe we shouldn't take too much away from it. And kind of touching again on Mayfield, I think that I agree with you. He's entering into, it's going to be hard to keep him away from that QB1 ranking for me, uh, assuming things hold. hold. Uh, steady the rest of the way out. Uh, it's just kind of the way that I'm looking at him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Aitman? Was he the one that had the uh, big leaping grab in the corner of the end zone for them? Was that him? Uh, uh, I, I had we had uh, I had four TVs going at once yesterday. I <laughs> uh, had them on the small screen, so wasn't totally sure which who caught that one. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Aitman. He he looked pretty impressive on that leap to me. Yeah, he's a big guy. It'll be interesting to see how well he tests. Uh, he's he's a he's a true senior. Um, I'm hoping that he gets combine invite. I don't know necessarily where he slots in right now, but um, he's on pace. He could hit a thousand yards this year. He's at 732. He has six touchdowns, averaging 18.3 a catch. So I don't know. Just kind of an interesting guy who at six four two twenty. You know, we always we always sort of um, lean towards those those big bodied outside wide receivers. So just a name to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and in terms of how this uh, shook up the Big 12 standings a little bit, Oklahoma and TCU are now tied atop 5-1 uh, and one each in the conference, 8-1 and one overall. Uh, America's team, Iowa State, fell fell this week to West Virginia. Um, so now them, uh, Oklahoma State and West Virginia are all tied for second. And uh, we'll be talking about Oklahoma TCU later, but this is kind of a, uh, you know, play, maybe a play-in game for who wins the regular season. I'm not sure how the tiebreakers would shake out. Um, I would think Iowa State would then, if T, if Oklahoma wins, I believe Iowa State would jump up to second and uh, take over, depending how they do next week, so um, obviously still the Big 12 championship game, but this is a pretty important game uh, in terms of who's going to play in that game. Uh, next game we're going to talk about is Alabama and LSU. Um, Alabama was a, f a heavy favorite, uh, as one usually expect uh, at home. They won 24-10, um, didn't cover, was the 21.5 point spread, um, but I didn't catch a ton of this game. Um, Darius Geis had 19 carries for 71 yards, uh, so those Leonard, those people that are a big believer in him over Leonard Fournette believe that's a little more impressive than what Fournette ever did, maybe by like half a yard per carry, still not great, but um, you know. From what I can tell, seems like a defensive struggle. Uh, were you able to catch any of this game? I did see Danny Etling throw one deep pass, and it wasn't that pretty. So that was that was all I saw. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I, I I had I think I had this this game on, but I wasn't paying that close of attention, um, which is kind of a bummer because this game, you know, has historically been like the highlight game. But I, from what I saw, it was pretty much what you said. It was just sort of a slugfest, and the box score kind of reads that out. Um, Danny Etling. Didn't complete 50% of his throws, one interception, no touchdowns. Um, it, it's, it was a struggle, but, I mean, it's predictably a struggle against Alabama's defense. They're just so dominant. Geis, I think, you know, he caught five passes for 29 yards, so it's kind of encouraging to see him be involved as a pass catcher, although it wasn't he wasn't as, you know, very efficient in that role in this game, but he had 100 scrimmage yards. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there just wasn't much going on. This is kind of like a typical... Bama LSU game is you know 34 points scored is is a shootout compared to some of their former matchups when we had like the single digit uh, final scores going on but yeah kind of you know LSU I think has definitely bounced back from the just horror show that they were in the beginning of the season uh, and they've kind of rounded back into form but they're clearly not on the same level as Alabama as most teams in the country aren't mm-hmm um, I think one thing to take away from this for me would be LSU has a solid defense. Um, when Alabama plays a team like Georgia in the SEC championship game, I'm going to be interested to see how they respond because I don't think Jalen Hurts has ever played a defense as good as Georgia's in his entire career. So it'll kind of be interesting to see how that shakes out. They'll have to lean heavy on the run game. Um, and that didn't work out too well for them this game. and uh, So that's kind of the matchup I'm waiting for, at least in terms of Alabama. Um, LSU still still a decent team, uh, probably eight nine win team. Catch them in the Outback Bowl or something like that. Um, but the next game uh, we're going to talk about big impact in the ACC. Uh, Miami, uh, they're legit. They knocked off Virginia Tech twenty eight ten at home. Um, kind of what I expected at least in terms of defense uh, for Miami because that defense is legit. It was more the offense I was concerned about going up against Virginia Tech's defense. Uh, Malik Rozier wasn't great. He was 10 for 21 for 193 yards, did have three interceptions as well, uh, had two touchdowns. He was good on the ground, 13 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Travis Homer was bottled up for most of the game. He broke off a 64-yard touchdown late in the game to kind of blow things open for them. Um, 
you know, like I said, defense looked good. Uh, found a way to score against this team, and Miami has a decent shot to run the table now. Um, they'll be traveling to Notre Dame this week. Game day will be there, um, so that's kind of their last big game, uh, I believe, on the schedule. I don't, uh, I don't believe they have anyone else left, um, but. Yeah, they they have UVA and Pitt after that, so they should you know this is a team that'll get to at least 11 wins, um, and should be in the driver's seat for an appearance in the ACC championship game with Clemson, um, which again kind of similar to Alabama. I'll be interested to see how that offense responds against um, a superior defense to what they face in this Virginia Tech game. So I think this was kind of a almost like a warm up for them in terms of that game, and I think it certainly responded pretty well. Yeah, I was honestly a little bit surprised at how um, how how Miami was able to move the ball on VT. This was there were seven turnovers in this game in total, so it was a bit of a sloppy game in that respect. But Miami Miami went over 400 total yards on a defense in Virginia Tech that you know you and I talked about last week. We thought was pretty good, and I I know that I thought that they would probably be able to stifle Miami's offense a bit, and it wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. Um, Christopher Herndon, Miami's tight end, caught a long touchdown pass 43. He's a guy that is, you know, has been catching my eye recently, kind of like a, a bigger-bodied athletic tight end. Not necessarily, probably not up to the level of David and Joku, but sort of a similar type player. Um, like you said, Malik Rozier threw three interceptions and against really, really, really tough competition that will result in losses. Uh, they need to they need to clean up the turnovers. and um, But, I mean... This was Miami's first like super big test. They passed it well, and now they have Notre Dame coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving further along in the ACC team, I just talked about Clemson. Uh, it was a this was a very good game. Um, came right down to the wire. They knocked off NC State at NC State, thirty-eight to thirty-one. Um, NC State's D line was kind of swarming all game on Kelly Bryant. Um, Kelly Bryant was okay. Um, you know, not a phenomenal game for him. Twenty for thirty-eight. 191 yards, touchdown, one interception. Uh, Tavion Feaster broke one open um, at the end of the game, which kind of put Clemson on top, uh, put it out of reach a little bit for them. Uh, North Carolina State had the ball on, I believe, the, the 30 of uh, Clemson, with you know 10 seconds left, and they got a they got a penalty for having two man in motion um, that kind of pushed them back a little bit. Um, my big takeaway from this game is that Calvin Harmon, yes, legit. Yes. I like Calvin Harmon. So do yes. you. He's pretty good. Um, he had nine catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. Had one really nice catch on the sidelines. Um, I'm glad to see that um, after kind of going a little under the radar, uh, be- like for most of the offseason, he kind of picked up some steam um, right before the season started, and he certainly lived up to that billing. Uh, has 799 yards, uh, four touchdowns right now. He's a guy who should break um, 1,000 yards. Um, probably get to about six, seven touchdowns, and I'm not totally sure what his dominator rating will look like, but I would think it'd be pretty good. Um, so glad to see him kind of show out. Other than that, not any huge takeaways for me in terms of uh, NFL prospects in this game. Other than that, Clemson still, um, for the most part, usually finds a way to win these these tight games. Um, as long as Bryant is pretty competent and uh, good on the ground, that defense should be able to hold on for them for the most part. Yeah, they gave up. Clemson's defense gave up. Um yardage through the air but they did make ryan finley turn the ball over which he's been really good at um not turning the ball over up to this point so that was you know a check mark in their category and like you said man kelvin Harmon, he's a dude uh 
big game against real tough competition and love to see that. And, you know, he's only a sophomore, still young. He's in the running to be, you know, he's in the running to be the wide receiver one, I would say, in 2019. I don't know exactly how that's going to shake out yet. Um, but coming back, uh, he's, you know, he's going to be on everyone's radar next season, no doubt. And Jalen Samuels, two more touchdowns, just just doing it, you know. 44 yards, not not big in the yardage category, but two more touchdowns. The guy just scores touchdowns. It's, it's incredible, really. Um Still, you know, pulling for him to hopefully get a combine invite, pulling for him to hopefully find a front office that's willing to take a shot and put him at some offensive position. I don't know what that will be, but I just really like Jalen Samuels a lot. And, um, you know, he's he's just a guy I'm going to be following pretty closely. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about him briefly before. He's kind of in that weird... I don't, I don't know if I'd call him an H-back. He, he just... He, He's an offensive weapon, um, and usually you see those more in the NFL, but he's already being utilized as one in college. Um, so it'll kind of be interesting to see how he gets deployed um, going forward. I, I believe he's a senior, um, so, uh, you know, he's too small to be a tight end. He's 5'11", um, probably too slow to be a running back and a wide receiver. He's 223, but he's a good football player who makes plays. Um, he has 59 catches this year. 51 rushing attempts. Um, you find a way to get him the ball, and you know he'll, he'll make plays for you. 12 touchdowns on the year, 13 last year, 16 the year before. Um, you know he's a talented guy. Just kind of got to find a way to work him in somehow. Um, he could be a guy who I could see having a. I think I might have said this before, having like a really long special teams career as just you know someone who maybe not even as a punt returner, but as you know. A blocker, a gunner, uh, you know, somebody that blocks in front of you for kickoffs. Um, I think he'll definitely have an NFL career. Next up, the only team that's probably, um, st- I, I'm not going to say that the only team still alive in the Big Ten. The only team that didn't completely screw themselves over in the Big Ten yesterday <laughs> uh, that was ranked in the top ten. Uh, Wisconsin kept on rolling. They went 45-17. to 17. Um, They were trailing at the end of the first quarter, but kind of pulled away. Um, late, Jonathan Taylor, um, Kept doing his thing. 29 carries, 183 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I said it yesterday while I was watching the games. Um, I think he certainly belongs in New York for the Heisman Trophy race. Um, he can only play with what's handed to him, kind of, in terms of his competition. But um, for a true freshman to have almost 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns already, um, seven yards a carry. Uh, you know, the guy could get close to 17, 1,800 yards as a true freshman leading a team, uh, you know. If they went out and win the Big Ten, probably probably a playoff team that's undefeated. Um, that's a guy that belongs in New York. Um, obviously, someone like Mayfield should probably be there too. Bryce Love, as we've talked about. Um, those would kind of be my three guys right now. Um, uh, other than that, I don't know. I would really consider sending anybody. I mean, you know, teams like... You know, Barrett kind of played himself out yesterday, I think, after that game. Um, Barkley, the past two weeks, um, hasn't been able to do much. So right now, it's probably those three guys. Maybe Josh Adams from Notre Dame will hop in there, too. Um, Other than that, I can't really see anyone winning. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Sadly, Khalil Tate, probably with a loss, isn't going to be in there either. Um, But right now, I think it's pretty clear top four, um, those guys. you agree with that? Yeah, I'm I'm good with that top four. Um, I, I I think what you said about Barrett and Barkley is pretty spot on. Um, I think Barkley will pr- 
has a good chance to likely hang around for a couple reasons. First of all, because of all the highlight plays that people remember from different points during the season, whether it be kickoff returns, um, hurdling a dude, getting hit in the thigh, coming down like he wasn't even touched. You know, those kind of things, I think, stick in people's minds. But if we're being honest, I mean, you can make a case to say that Jonathan Taylor has been the better running back. Um, that's, you know, it's kind of tough. And, and something else that's impressive about Jonathan Taylor is I, I don't think he was 100% in this game. Uh, he was banged up, and he still, you know, was an absolute dominant workhorse in that backfield. Um, and doing this all at 18 years old is, is pretty incredible. And I think that, you know, Wisconsin kind of – and another thing, Indiana's run defense is, is pretty good. Um, it's probably the best part of their defense, and they're you know they're no they're no pushover against the run. So he did this. There were a bunch of factors kind of going against him in this situation, and he still succeeded. So that makes it even more impressive, in my opinion. Um, and I think that if Wisconsin wins out, as they probably should, and they go to the Big Ten championship game and win, I don't see. I really don't see a way that they get held out of the playoff. I don't know if that might be a bit of a hot take, but if, if they if they finish undefeated with a championship title, a uh, conference championship, I should say, um, I, I would have a hard time kind of keeping them out. Now, that's obviously dependent on what else happens between now and then, but do you kind of agree or would you still would you still kind of hesitate to put them in there? Like you said, I think it really depends on what happens. Um, you know, you right now I would say it's Wisconsin for the Big Ten, Notre Dame, Clemson, probably in the driver's seat for the ACC, Oklahoma, same thing for the Big 12, and then those two SEC teams. Um, so, you know, I, I assume, you know, Notre Dame wins out, uh, Clemson wins the ACC, Oklahoma wins the Big 12. Um those three teams certainly have arguments with all one losses probably have better certainly have better wins than Wisconsin um you know probably only having one win over a Michigan State and uh well, Michigan State or Ohio State and you know Iowa which will be a decent win um <clears throat> Georgia say say let's let's say Alabama hypothetically loses to Georgia um you have Georgia is in um, one of Clemson and Oklahoma's in. I'd say they put Notre Dame in. Um, so you have, for that fourth spot, you have one loss Alabama, undefeated Wisconsin, and a one loss Oklahoma probably, because Big 12, I would say, is probably a weaker conference than the ACC. Um, I wouldn't want to be picking that fourth team if I was on the committee, but I don't think you can keep out a one loss Alabama. Um, that would really be my... It, uh, only way for to keep Wisconsin out of the playoff is if you know Alabama loses a close game after all they've done these past few years um, you kind of got to give them the benefit of the doubt I think um, and I think you know Notre Dame has a better resume than Wisconsin so they'd be in and Clemson probably does as well um, so if Clemson were to slip up and it came down to and Notre Dame and it came down to Oklahoma and Wisconsin I'd probably take Wisconsin um, based on their resume now if you're the committee do you want baker mayfield in prime time sure you know do you do you get that little narrative going where the committee wants to you know get the ratings up have a guy like baker mayfield in there you know i'd certainly rather watch uh oklahoma play than wisconsin just because i like that style of play better um you know but getting getting a guy like jonathan taylor um who isn't really well known outside of a lot of 
like big college uh, like you know diehard college football fans um, in a primetime slot uh, he could blow up I think similar to what uh, Ezekiel Elliott did a couple of years ago where he went on that three game stretch that just you know he tore everything up and that's kind of what boosted him up to being the number four pick in the draft um, so that was kind of my long winded way of going about saying that I don't know what I'd do um, <laughs> well, but if I had to pick uh, one lost Bama or undefeated Wisconsin I, I would take Alabama other than that not really sure what I do. Yeah, that's and that's fair. I I think, and maybe I'm counting on chaos because that's kind of been the way that this year has gone. Um, but like in a scenario that you just laid out, I I guess that would be the way that Wisconsin would get bumped, just because they're probably the least quote unquote sexy team of that bunch that could could slide into that fourth spot. But um, I don't know. I've I've just. It, it, it just is, is difficult for me right now and it'll all play out and you know maybe it won't even be a conversation at, at, at that point but just kind of an interesting thought exercise yeah certainly um, staying on the topic of the Big Ten uh, first game we'll talk about is um, Iowa beat Ohio State um, by a lot too it was 55-24 um, a result nobody probably saw coming I believe Ohio State was I saw, uh, I didn't check, uh, you know, website, we usually use Vegas Insider, but the ESPN app had them listed as uh, 20.5-point favorites going into this game. So, a uh, decent size cover for Iowa there. Um, I'm back on my, my JT Barrett um, is a good train. Uh, yeah, he, he had four interceptions this game, uh, pick six to open up the game. Um, what I was really confused with was and this seems to be a theme in uh, Ohio State's losses, they, they barely gave their running backs any touches. I know it was probably part of game flow, but J.K. Dobbins only had six carries in this game. Um, I'm not a big Mike Weber guy. He only had five carries in this game. J.T. was their leading rusher with 14 carries for 63 yards, um, but it seems to be a theme. Um, if you want to beat Ohio State, you make them beat you through the air and you know hope that you can uh, force Barrett to some turnovers. Johnny Dixon has been pretty impressive these past couple games. Uh, he has four touchdowns the past two games. Um, had a sticky, pretty long one this game. Yeah, 44-yard touchdown, 38-yard um, one against Penn State. Um, so he's kind of there, been their receiver leading the way. Pretty fast guy. He's had some injuries. Um, on the Iowa side, uh, Akram Wadley had 118 yards, but Nathan Stanley had five touchdowns passing, which is something you don't see a lot from any Iowa quarterback. Um, and their tight end, Noah Fant, uh, He's a sophomore, I believe. Um, he's 6'5", 232 pounds, and he's put up numbers this year. Uh, four catches for 54 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, three for 67 and a touchdown against Minnesota. Um, already, already has seven touchdowns on the year. So he's a guy who I think could uh, you know, potentially be an NFL tight end. Um, but I think the, the guy that made himself the most money, uh, so to speak, in this game was Joshua Jackson, the cornerback for Iowa. I know we don't usually touch on uh, defensive players. He had three interceptions. Um, I'm sure a lot of people saw the one he had where he Odell'd it, so to speak, uh, right on, on about the two-yard line uh, before Ohio State went in and scored. Um, so he he's been really impressive. I believe he's a you know taller guy at about six two, but um, the Big Ten East at least is kind of screwed up now for the, in terms of playoff hopes. Um, you know, with, uh, Michigan State's in the driver's seat after their win. Um, Ohio State uh, also in the driver's seat, so to speak. This is kind of a de facto um, play-in game almost this week they have for the Big Ten uh, championship game, but just a very confusing result 
to see Iowa put up 55 most games is weird, but to see them do it against uh, what's supposedly one of the best defenses in the country is even weirder. Yeah, I guess Iowa at home at night in conference against top-ranked opponents is just like the stone lock to cover now. Um, and I, I can just I can just hear our, our buddy Matt, who uh, Matt Wisp, who was on the pod last week, uh, probably crying in the shower, asking why J.K. Dobbins isn't on the field getting more touches, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, he had six carries. That's simply just not enough. And and I, for for as successful as Urban Meyer has been as a head coach, there there are times uh, where, and I think Ohio State fans will attest to this as well, um, that he. It, it, and it's not just him; it's the offensive play caller, offense coordinator as well. But they just—it just doesn't make sense sometimes. Um, it, they turn the ball over four times. They had nine penalties for 95 yards. I mean, that's a good enough way to beat yourself as is. And the offense just wasn't very good, and the defense collapsed. I—it's I, just a very, like you said, it's just a very confusing result. Um, I thought that Iowa had a pretty good chance to cover the spread and keep this game close just because it was at home but I had no clue that this was going to happen and like you said it kind of throws everything out of order at the top and um, yeah I mean it was just a really good performance from Iowa can't take it away from them they 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 beat you know the the number the then number three team on the field and did it in pretty impressive fashion mm-hmm. um, so I don't think there's any other games to talk about I don't think there's any other upsets in the Big Ten, so um, we can move right along to the... We, we don't have to talk about anything else that happened in the Big Ten. I think we can move right along to the previous, right? We're fine? Yeah, two... Nothing else happened? We're all good? I'm totally okay with that if that's how you want to, if that's how you want to play it. Oh, oh, we, we do. We have to touch on one more game. Um, Penn State lost 27-24 uh, to Michigan State um, in what was about, what, six-hour game-ish? Oh, um, my there God, was man. There was a... Yeah. The game got delayed right at the end of the first quarter. Um, didn't start back up till about 4:30, so it was essentially a 3:30 kick. With an, uh, you know, by the time it ended. Um, all right, I have a lot to talk about for this game. Um, <laughs> Penn State's offensive line, um, it just it, it's it's still um, you know the weak spot on their team. Um, I knew that coming into the game. Everyone knew that, so that wasn't a big surprise for me to not uh, be able to you know run the ball with Barkley. Um, what really surprised me with Penn State was the defense and the secondary in particular. Um, I was skeptical of the secondary just because of the teams we played um, coming into the game. Obviously, JT Barrett torched last week. Um, Ohio State's a talented team, so not totally unexpected, even though I'm not JT Barrett's biggest fan. Um, Brian Lewerke, though, uh, I didn't expect him to throw for over 400 yards. Um, and it wasn't even just like, um, you know, these guys were wide open. He was throwing to. It was on, on third and, you know, 10 plus. Michigan State was wide open. Um, so I think, and to go along with that, uh, he had a ton of time because Penn State couldn't generate any pressure. Um, so when you have those two combinations of a struggling secondary and uh, inability to get pressure, anyone um, is going to be able to throw on you. And that just shouldn't happen for a team that was number two in the country just a couple weeks ago. Um, so maybe uh, the expectations were a little too high for Penn State, but um, I'm glad the competition isn't too uh, too tough the rest of the way because I, I think this could uh, you know could go off the rails pretty quickly. Um, for Michigan State, Felton Davis was a guy I wrote about maybe two years ago when they were in the playoff playing Alabama. Uh, I did a 
pieces over at PLF uh, previewing those games. And he was a guy who, uh, he was a freshman at the time, had come on a little bit, didn't do too much. Um, you know, I was talking about him for the future, potentially being their top wide receiver last year. That didn't really happen this year. He's kind of showed out a little bit. Uh, bigger guy, 6'4", 195, moves well. Um, and this was probably the best game of his career. He had 12 catches for 181 yards and a touchdown. So kind of glad to see him do that. Um, for Penn State, DeAndre Tompkins had a 70-yard touchdown. That was pretty nice. Um, Barkley, like I said, was kind of bottled up. Um, did have three catches for 33 yards. Other than that, only 63 yards rushing. Trace McSorley uh, kind of is who he is at this point. Um, a little inconsistent. 26 or 47, three touchdowns, had three interceptions too, which um, he's not the best decision maker, but usually they don't result, result in turnovers, and this game it did, which is kind of what, uh, you know, ultimately blew it, uh, I would say. If, we, if Penn State didn't have those turnovers, um, they're probably able to escape with a close win. Still not an impressive one, but um, they still probably win the game. Um, I'm still not sure I totally believe in Michigan State. Um, you know, they won this game big weather delay um, obviously it didn't affect them but uh, I think this Penn State might Penn State team might have been almost a little fraudulent um, so to speak with how high they were ranked and same thing with Michigan they beat them in a monsoon and they're clearly not um, the team that we thought they were um, they jumped up to 13 this week one thing I wanted to touch on with Iowa that I didn't um, Iowa was only ranked 25th in the AP poll which I thought was just a crime for them. I don't know how they, they didn't jump up any higher over a team like Michigan or anything like that. Um, I, I, and they're sixth and th now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, they almost knocked off Penn State, wins over Ohio State, Iowa State. Um, I don't know how you could put a team like Michigan sure. over them. Um, I think Michigan State, though, um, they're, they're 13th now. I think they're, they're certainly a top 20, top 15 team. I'm just not sure they keep up, keep up with a team like Ohio State this week. Um, but... Overall, not a great game for Penn State, but Michigan State's now in, in control of their own destiny um, for a uh, Big Ten championship appearance and potentially even a playoff appearance if stuff gets weird. Yeah, um, I think you broke it down really well there. Um, I, I The one thing that I'll say about Penn State, kind of the way that it, in my mind, sums up this game and the last game is the fact that Penn State as a program, as a football program, is moving in the right direction. I think that we may have inflated their overall depth and talent a little bit early in the season, and I think it's coming to fruition now we're seeing it. I think that as long as the recruiting stays positive, which uh, as of right now it still is, as long as James Franklin remains the head coach, as far as we know he will, and assuming that Joe Moorhead doesn't necessarily bounce right after this year and stays as offensive coordinator, they're going to lose a lot of talent. Um, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley, they're going to lose pieces, but I think that Penn State needs to continue to build depth, especially along the interior offensive line and defensive line. And like you said, the secondary needs to get better. So I think that the last two weeks, although they were really close losses and tough losses, I think just kind of sum up to me that, you know, it, it was it was only 2009 that the NCAA was considering the death penalty for this team, and to think now that eight years later they they you know were in the in the college football playoff picture um, just a week ago, two weeks ago, 
they're moving in the right direction, but I think they still have a little ways to go to be able to compete consistently for national championships. So that's just kind of the way that I look at Penn State right now. Mm-hmm. One positive takeaway is that um, Saquon Barkley looks to be like the most efficient passer in the country. Uh, he's two for two on the year now. Uh, yeah, him running, him, yeah. yeah him, running, him running RPOs is the greatest thing. I, that's, that was his uh, hashtag Heisman moment, I think, whenever he uh, kind of like sidearm. I mean, it was a spiral, but man, yeah. he, he has like, he, he has a, he, I don't even know who to compare it to because no quarterback throws the ball that way, but um, it kind of looked like a, like a peewee, like a peewee game quarterback throwing the ball, but you know, whatever it takes. 416 quarterback rating this year, so I don't know, maybe make hey. a switch, put him on their center. Well, Maybe he could uh, he could transfer to Wyoming and perhaps play quarterback. Probably probably could do it just as well. I mean, sure, yeah. sure, yeah. Um, all right, so we're gonna get to the previews this week, uh, but that's gonna be right after we talk about my bookie. Um, as you guys know, we've talked about my bookie in the past. They're the industry leading website that hooks you up for free with all your betting needs. Uh, they have great odds, fast payouts, and de- decades of expertise, so you can bet with confidence. Um, where you bet is just as supporting as who you're betting on, so that's why I want you guys to check out my bookie. Um, I know Jordan's won money from there. I'm all signed up over there. Probably not profiting yet, you know, but that's okay. Um, so right now they're offering a 50% bonus uh, for right when you sign up. So uh, if you head on over to my bookie and use the promo code RotoCFB to activate that offer, you can um, get that 50% sign up bonus. Um, you know, like I said. In-game live betting, uh, mobile site is great. Um, it's improved. You can wager on the go. So just head on over there. Use the promo code RotoCFB. Get a 50% bonus when you visit mybookie.ag today, and you'll play, you'll win, and you'll get paid. Um, touched on it briefly before. Um, game. Uh, uh, this is probably biggest game of the. Uh, no, there's, there's a lot of big games this week, but at least in terms of Big 12, this is certainly the biggest game of the week. Uh, TCU is traveling to Oklahoma to take on the Sooners and Baker Mayfield. Oklahoma's a seven-point favorite at home, um, coming off that big win against Oklahoma State. Um, this is a game that could end up being uh, a Big 12 championship preview, depending how things shake out. Um, TCU's defense has been legit this year. Um, besides Ohio State, I don't think a te- uh, that um, Oklahoma's played a defense as good as theirs. Obviously, they probably have the best quarterback in the country. Uh, for this game, so they have a good matchup for that. Um, I'm interested to see if TCU's offense can keep up in a shootout with um, Oklahoma, because I think Oklahoma will be able to put up points. I think TCU has a legit defense, but I also don't think they've faced a, um offense that's as good as Oklahoma's this year. Um, so... Ultimately, for me, it's going to come down to their offense against Oklahoma. Well, they should be able to put up points on um, Oklahoma because that defense isn't great. But will they? Will Oklahoma's defense be able to get a couple stops? Um, is the question. Um, ultimately, I'm going to you know take the guy we've been loving on all year and Baker Mayfield at home. Um, seven points seems like a pretty reasonable number. Um, I'm still going to take Oklahoma plus those points, but wouldn't shock me at all to see TCU cover either. Yeah, I think that's a fair breakdown. Um, it's, you know, at this point, at this point, it it would take a lot to bet against Baker Mayfield, and I know he's just one guy and it's a whole team, and Oklahoma's defense we've seen at times completely collapse. And uh, as, you know, Kenny Hill, as down, as down on him as I was interested he hasn't been terrible, I will admit. Um, he he is he's good in his offense, and they have pieces around him that they can 
move the ball. Uh, and like you said, TCU's defense is probably the toughest test for Mayfield since Ohio State early in the season. But he just is absolutely on fire at this point. And it's kind of like a momentum thing. It's like a... It, it's you know I don't like to I don't like to pick games based on quote unquote intangibles, but at this point Mayfield just has that feel and the look of a guy who is just absolutely determined to to just will his team to victory, and you know it's always kind of wishy washy banking on that kind of thing. But I'm also gonna lay the points at home with Oklahoma. Um, it, if their defense could just improve somewhat. Um, I think they're they're a legitimate national championship threat. I think that that their offense is good enough to compete with just about any defense in the country. It's just their defense is a liability, which makes me a bit nervous. But I'm not going against Mayfield. I'm just not not at this point. So Sooners at home minus seven. Um, another game that's an intriguing conference matchup uh, with probably the higher ranked team heading on the. Or excuse me, Oklahoma's at home that game, never mind. Um, Georgia's traveling to Auburn. Uh, Georgia's a three-point favorite. Um, this line seems a little weird to me considering how well Georgia's played. Um, ESPN, with their matchup predictor, using uh, the FPI, actually has Auburn favored. Um, it's 51% to 49%, but <clears throat> I'm pretty surprised. Um, I know Auburn has played well um, for the most part. Their offense has been clicking lately, but... Their defense isn't that great. Um, I know that they're, um, you know, they have a lot of talent along that defensive line, um, and their numbers uh, are pretty similar um, to, to Georgia's, at least in terms of, uh, you know, offensive output. Um, but they gave up 20 points to Arkansas, a team that almost lost Coastal Carolina this week. They lost to LSU, um, which isn't exactly an offensive juggernaut. Uh, they put up 27 on them, and they haven't faced a. Uh, a defense like Georgia's since that Clemson game where they gave up 10 sacks and lost 14-6. to six. So obviously the defense is legit. They were able to hold um, a team like that to 6 points. And Mississippi State, which is probably the second best team they played, to 10 points. So that defense shows up in big games. But um, Georgia's a different beast to me. Um, that run game is unlike any they've seen all year um, with the talent they have in that backfield like we touched on before. It's going to be key for them to make Jake Fromm beat them through the air and make him fast. Um, Stidham played really well against Texas A&M. He threw a beautiful ball for a deep ball to, uh, I believe it was Ryan Slayton, um, not through, uh, Darius Slayton, excuse me. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see him kind of rounding into form a little bit. Uh, ultimately, like I said before, I think this is a weird line. I think it should kind of be closer to Georgia plus or minus seven or something like that. So with these points, I'll take Georgia. Um, I think they should win this game pretty handily, but just kind of surprised um, that Auburn seems to be getting a lot of love from a couple different places. Yeah, I agree with you on this line. I, if I would have been setting this line, it, it, you know, it, I, I agree with you. I think it would have been a little bit bigger. And just a quick heads up, I just checked the lines again, and a bunch of books have it down at two and a half now. Um, so... It looks like, <laughs> so this kind of gives me a very strange feeling about what's going on in this game. Um, I, I really like on Johnson, Auburn's running back. He, um, you know, he's just been extremely productive this year. Looks great. Uh, I think he's a guy that both metrics and Tate crowd could probably get behind as a prospect. He's kind of 
just really emerged um, in that backfield. And like you said, Jared Stidham had a really good game last week against Texas A&M. This is a really difficult one to pick, and I, I wouldn't bet this one in real life, but I think that I'm actually going to take the home team here. And I think Auburn can I, – I do think Auburn can win this game. And, and I think it kind of goes back to – I keep going back to Jake Frum. And it's not to knock him. He's been really good this year. But I think that if Auburn's defense can get pressure, they're not going to be able to completely slow down Georgia's running game. We know that. I don't know if anyone really can. But I think that if Auburn can get pressure on passing downs, make Frum make mistakes, which we really haven't seen yet, but is entirely possible – um, I think that Auburn could win this game. But, again, I, I don't have a very strong take on this. I, it, it's The line is strange. Um, there's just a lot of pieces to this that don't quite make sense. But I'll take the home team uh, as a dog uh, getting three. Now, here's a chaos scenario for you. Auburn wins out and then loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game. Um is the SEC left left out completely? Um, does a one loss Alabama somehow sneak in? Because this is ultimately what I'm going to root for now. Because I'm just rooting for chaos. That's what I like. <laughs> I like when st- I like when shit gets weird. So hopefully that's what I'm going for. I just thought of that one now. But um, you know, I think if Auburn wins out, they probably are. You know, including the SEC championship game. I think with two wins over Alabama or two wins over Georgia and a win over Alabama and a close loss to Clemson and LSU, I think they're they probably get in, right? My God, that's a mess. Maybe, may, I mean, yeah. maybe that's maybe that's the Wisconsin scenario that I was cooking up in my brain. I don't know. Um, I mean, if they beat if 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 Auburn beats Georgia and Alabama in the span of three weeks, essentially, um, I really don't know. That's a really tough one, and I kind of I'm with you, man. I I love stuff like that. Like I would much prefer it to be complete chaos. Um, I, I don't know what that says about us as human beings necessarily, but, but yeah, man, I, it, it would definitely make things more interesting for sure. Um, and, and then that, you know, assuming if, if Auburn does beat Georgia, that iron bowl is huge. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm betting this or picking this game with my heart instead of my head, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think I'm going to shift my, uh, my my fandom for chaos from Iowa State to Auburn now for the rest <laughs> of the way. I think that's the plan. Um, the game where game day is going to be this week uh, should be another top 10 matchup. Um, that one probably won't be. I think Auburn will probably just be outside the top 10. Um, probably a top 15 matchup there, though. But uh, Notre Dame is traveling to Miami. Um, Miami's three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Um this, I think, is a game um, where Miami might slip up. Um, obviously, they, they've been, they played well last game, um, but before that, they have you know played very, very close games. The defense is elite. Um, Notre Dame showed they could um, do well against elite defenses when they nearly knocked off Georgia. Um, I think Miami is a superior team to Georgia. Um, you know, the rushing attack for Notre Dame is the strength of their team, obviously, and uh, Miami's strength of their team is their, their run defense with their defensive line. So that's kind of the matchup that'll decide this game. Um, I think Notre Dame will be able to move the ball. Um, you know, we've seen teams do it before. Um, you know, George Deck put up 24 points. 
Florida State put up 20. Um, I don't remember what the score of their game was this week, but coming into this week, they scored eight total touchdowns as a team, and they managed to put up 20. So I think they'll be able to score. Um, will Malik Rozier and Travis Homer be able to score on Notre Dame's defense? Um, that's yet to be seen. Um, they did give up 37 points to Wake Forest this week at home, which, um, you know, maybe they're looking ahead to this game against Miami. Um, Wake Forest isn't a bad team either. Um, but they're, they're not Miami, um, so a little concerning there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take Notre Dame here, and I don't feel good about it. Um, th- th- this is like, you know, like you said, yeah, a game, like you said before, this is a game I wouldn't stay away from. Just watch. Um, you don't need to bet on it to, to have it be exciting because um, I think it'll be that type of game. But, um, yeah, this, this should be a good one. Um, and for Notre Dame, I uh, just want to touch quick. Uh, Chase Claypool, uh, he's a pretty talented receiver out of Canada, a big guy who tested really well. Um, seems to be a theme with me, if you haven't picked up on that already. He's 6'4", 228. Um, he had nine catches for 180 yards and a touchdown this week. So might be a guy who could be a mismatch against Miami's secondary, um, which, you know, probably the weakest part of their defense so I'll be interested to see that match up with him and um, if Equinemius St. Brown could uh, rise from the dead and do something in this game um, you know I think that'll certainly pose a problem for them um, one more thing I don't know if you saw the the hype video Notre Dame released for Josh Adam for his uh, Heisman campaign but it's it's the I think it's certainly the best Heisman video I've ever seen put out by a school at least because it's really well put together it's it's cleanly cut, so I'd I'd say to go watch that because usually they're all corny and cheesy. But I was like, I got pretty hyped up watching that one. I, I was might have moved Josh Adams up a little bit after it. They're they're swaying me a little bit, um, so I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, this should be this should certainly be a good game to watch. Yeah, I'm all about Josh Adams. So uh, and and they have that that uh, 33 trucking thing that they do with their offensive. Yeah, that's Is that exactly what it was. What it was. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a spot yeah. on that somewhere. Um, Oh man, this game just gives me heartburn looking at it on paper. I I can't. What? Okay, so what I'm confused about two things, two primary things. Um, Notre Dame and Brandon Wimbush looked pretty competent through the air against Wake Forest this past week. Now that's kind of been the missing piece. You know, they've they've been dominating without a passing game essentially, and now if they can add a downfield dangerous passing game to this run game that makes this offense pretty much unstoppable now the thing is i don't know if that's going to continue against tougher competition and the other thing that kind of worries me a bit is like you said uh they notre dame gave up um a ton of points to wait for a team that lost their best wide receiver the previous week greg dorch um he i i want to say he had a 0.42 dominator rating coming into the game whenever he got hurt so he was essentially their entire passing game and he was he wasn't in that game um so to see notre dame kind of let up that many points against a a good wake forest team but not necessarily one you would assume would be able to do that much damage is a little bit concerning to me and that game was at home as well so this is another one that has me going in all sorts of different directions i've i've been way too low on miami i guess you know, so far this season, so I, I don't know if I have some kind of personal bias. Uh, <laughs> I whenever I feel this way about a game, I tend to take it and and the home team is getting points. I just kind of default to that. 
it's not always a good strategy but this to me it just feels very strange i'm gonna do kind of the same thing i did in the last game i'm gonna take the home team getting points three and a half miami but i just can't get a real good handle like you said it's gonna be a good game there's a ton of talent um so maybe just you know watch the game enjoy it for what you can see on the field and uh let let the outcome fall where it may yeah i'd agree there um this is a game like i said i'm excited to watch um, we got two more games to preview quick, but I uh, just want to take a moment to talk about draft. Um, if you're like me, say you have a dynasty team that somehow has Aaron Rodgers hurt, Ben Roethlisberger on by, and Cardell Jones on by, and you can't start a quarterback at all, um, draft is for you. Um, so draft is, I've talked about it before, um, it's like daily fantasy, except it incorporates everyone's favorite part of fantasy football, which is trapping. So you do a draft and it lasts for just one week, um, there's no management, it's a best ball type league, you just gotta set it and forget it. Um, you start every couple of minutes, and you can start uh, join one right now for next week. Uh, the best part is you get to play for cold hard cash. Drafts are just drafts are starting from just one dollar, uh, so there's a draft for everyone. Um, no salary caps. It's a real life snake draft, just like you do uh, with your friends in your redraft leagues. Um, so if you go uh, onto the app store and search draft, uh, you can play a game within minutes, or you can go to playdraft.com and play from your computer. And for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code RV Radio. So you get to play a real money game for free using that promo code RV Radio on your first deposit. So just search app in the draft store, go to playdraft.com, and come play for free with the promo code RV Radio. Um, next game up, we kind of we already talked about both teams a little bit in separate games. Um, Michigan State traveling to Ohio State. Uh, kind of said it before. I think this could be a big bounce back game for Ohio State, and I'm not a big believer in Michigan State. However, um, excuse me, Ohio State had that big line last week against Iowa. Um, I do think they have a better offensive line than Penn State, and Michigan State's D line isn't isn't phenomenal. Um, I think this could be a big J.K. Dobbins game. Um, Maybe if Barrett's confidence is a little shaken, um, I think it'd be smart regardless to get Dobbins more touches, but, uh, you know, it might be a game where they look to kind of control the tempo, slow things down, maybe get a couple big plays to a guy like Johnny Dixon or uh, Paris Campbell. Um, I don't think in terms of talent, these two teams are really close. I think, um, you know, LJ Scott, um, he has some hype coming into the year. I'm not a huge believer in him, and I think he'll probably be bottled up uh, by that D-line of Ohio State, which is probably the best in the country um so they're gonna make Lewerke beat them through the air and their secondary is is pretty legit um so I'm not gonna trust Lewerke to put up 500 400 yards back-to-back weeks I I think it might be similar where where he has to throw you know over 40 50 times to keep him in the game um I'm gonna take Ohio State plus the points still think they're a really talented team and I think they're the team that should win the Big Ten East um Michigan State comes out and, and wins this game I mean, I'm rooting for, you know, chaos, but, um, you know, anything's possible, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but probably compared to the three other games we talked about before, not a game that, a game that isn't as intriguing to me, um, but still one to certainly watch because of the implications it'll have with the Big Ten and with the uh, national title picture. Yeah, I'm looking at this game pretty strictly from a situational standpoint. Um, Ohio State, coming off that big, close win against Penn State, then goes on the road to face Iowa, a team traditionally good at home against top teams. They lose in kind of unpredictable fashion, but they lose. Now they come back home off of a real bad loss, 
and Michigan State coming off a real close win against a rival opponent on the road. All these things are lining up. So if Michigan State does win this game, then, you know, I'm just going to throw my hands up and say I don't know anything because uh, every all the arrows are pointing towards Ohio State, and I could see potentially I could see this line actually growing towards Ohio State. So I think getting them down around 14, 14 and a half, which is what I have it listed as right now, is probably a good value because I think it could go bigger. Um, so I'm also going to take Ohio State. I think that this is a prime bounce back spot situationally. Um, and I don't think JT Barrett is as bad as he looked last week. Uh, I, I'm st- kind of still stuck in the middle on him, sort of the same way I've felt all year. Uh, I think that he probably has a bit of a bounce back here. And, yeah, hopefully J.K. Dobbins does get the ball. That would be uh, that would be really good. Um, I, can, I could get behind that. It has my endorsement. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to make a little public service announcement before we uh, our last game. We're going to preview. Um, there is football out west. I know we haven't talked about it at all in the first um, 55 minutes. The Pac-12 exists. The West Coast exists, um, and we're going to talk about a game out there this week too. Um, Washington's traveling to Stanford. Uh, Stanford's an eight and a half point uh, home underdog. Um, obviously, the big matchup to watch for in this one will be. Uh, Bryce Love going up against, which is probably the best run defense he'll face all year. Um, so, obviously, Bryce Love is always, uh, you know, must-watch TV, but going up against this defense, I'm certainly intrigued to see this. Um, I, I guess Bryce Love had a yeah, Bryce Love had a down game last game. Um, he was coming off that ankle injury. Um, 69 yards, had a 52-yarder right uh, at the start of the game. Um, his first game under 150 yards for the year, but um, everyone's allowed, uh, you know, a down game every once in a while. The guy still has uh, close to 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, touched on it before with the Heisman race a little bit. I think he's probably second for me right now behind Mayfield. Um, I think if he has a big game here, um, he can uh, close the gap a little bit. But Stanford is a team that doesn't really have any big games left. They're not a team that's, uh, you know, I don't believe they're in contention to, to win the um, win the North. I know, uh, you know, Washington can seal it up this game if they win. Um, they only have one more conference game left against Cal. Uh, Stanford does. They do play Notre Dame, so Love can uh, make a showing there. But I think um, this is kind of a, a big spot for Love, um, especially, uh, well, no. It's a 10:30 game, so you know. Yeah, shocking. Uh, Go figure. That's just too bad. Yeah. Um, for yeah. Washington, uh, I want to make a quick note about Dante Pess. He set the NCAA record for uh, punt return touchdowns. Had his ninth one yesterday against Oregon. Um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, he hasn't been as good as a receiver this year. His his yards per uh, catch have plummeted, but he is still producing touchdowns. Has seven on the year. Um, has 571 yards, so if he could get up to about eight, 900 yards again, I still think he's a guy who can be a very competent um, second wide receiver for a team and obviously contribute on special teams. Um, in terms of this game, though, I just don't think Stanford has the offense to keep up with Washington. Um, like I said, Washington defense is really good. It's going to be Price Love versus the world kind of in this game. That, that's kind of how I picture it. Um, Stanford at home, eight and a half. Uh, Seems like a pretty reasonable line. I'm still going to take Washington. Um, I'm really excited. I've taken the favorite in every game this week, but um, I think they're just the better team. I just don't think Stanford's offense is 
good at all. So I'm going to take Washington uh, with those eight and a half points. Yeah, this is another kind of you know sort of matchup spot that I that looks pretty good on paper um, as far as S and P plus rankings uh, from Football Study Hall. These are not updated for the most recent action, but going into last week, Washington was first in the country in preventing big plays both on the ground and through the air. Now, you don't necessarily have to worry about Stanford creating big plays through the air because they generally don't. But Bryce Love, who is the human highlight reel, we know, um, has more 20 carries than, like, you know, 80% of the teams in college football, something like that. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, that's the matchup. And I think that if Washington can t- continue to do that and at least hold him in check, I just don't see how Stanford scores without big plays from Bryce Love. It's kind of a bummer. But... I, you know, I like Washington, and it, and like you said, it's a shame that this game doesn't kick until 10:30, and most people on the East Coast have given up on football by that point. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think Washington covers this spread, and I think they could win by two touchdowns, perhaps. Um, I'm I'm kind of high on Washington. I know that they had that tough, you know, that tough loss against uh, Arizona State. You know, it's kind of that weird 13-7 to loss sandwiched in between all those wins. Their schedule isn't super great, but they're a team that, you know, I really like. They've handled pretty much every team they've played other than that Arizona State game. Um, they still have Utah and then Washington State to finish the season. What if, what if they finish with one loss and as North champion and then say they win the Pac-12? Is there any possible way they get squeezed in there? I, I have a hard time seeing it because I think there's just a lot of like name bias kind of uh, I think a lot of people don't like Chris Peterson and I don't know if people like talk about that enough but he's kind of like stingy to the press and you know kind of has a reputation and I think there's reasons why they get shut out but you know say say that scenario plays out and say there's a little bit of chaos with the other teams we just need to do a whole what if show i think that's what we need i think we just need a what if show get our little conspiracy theory hats on figure all this out Uh, but we don't have um, to get into it it's just you know something no no uh, no yeah um i think that game against arizona state i mean this this ohio state iowa game was certainly weird but i still think that was the probably the weirdest game of the season yeah i mean other than that, they put up over 30 points in every game, and Arizona State's defense held them to seven, and Arizona State's defense is Arizona State's defense. It's not very good. Um, I just don't see how they could – their best win would be uh, – who would they, would they play? USC in the, the Pac-12 championship? Probably. I would assume so. I mean, if USC keeps on the way they are now, I would say they win the South. I mean, they'd have wins over USC, Stanford, Washington State, and – Oregon, I guess, with their best win probably coming against Rutgers out of conference. Um, it's yeah, tough. I, I, I know just it's tough. don't see, uh, you know, I don't see the resume unless uh, you know Ameri- America's new team Auburn um, <laughs> somehow you know pulls out pulls out wacky stuff. Um, but you know, not ruling them out yet because you can't rule them out yet. It's college football. I can't rule most of these teams out. Um, other than that, it's going to be tough for them. But um, upsets do happen. So with that, why don't we get going on these upset picks? This was a tough week for me to pick upsets. I'm usually not very good at it to begin with. And most of these lines to me were, were pretty good. Um, 
I, I'm interested to see, hear your thoughts on on the game you picked, though. Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat as you, scrolling down through games. Didn't see a ton that initially popped out. Um, no, one game that isn't my actual pick, but one line that kind of looks big to me is actually the Rutgers-Penn State game. Uh, Penn State is favored by 31, and I don't think Penn State loses, but I could easily see Rutgers hanging in and keeping it closer than that. Um, but I actually went with Army getting two points at home against Duke. Um, I I love backing like the kind of funky offense teams. Um, I know that Duke uh, is in conference with Georgia Tech, so it's not... I don't know if they actually play this year or not, but they're not probably entirely unfamiliar with the offensive system, but I actually think that the wrong team might be favored in this game. Um, I could see Army, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all to see them win, possibly by a touchdown, 10 points. Um, But, you know, I haven't really had the best luck on these either, so take that with a grain of salt. But, yeah, that Rutgers line kind of stood out to me as well. Uh, what What game do you got? Yeah, just a note with Army. I don't know if you saw this weekend. Uh, I believe it was the first FBS win since 2000. Um, they won a game without completing a pass or attempting one. Oh, that's awesome. They put up over 500 rushing yards, and they did not attempt a pass. I love it. They were 0 of 0 in the passing column, they're, which is just awesome. They're like they're like the hipster offense because uh, every everyone just chucks the ball around, and, and Army is too cool for spread offense, so I'm... Um, I'm definitely on the Team Army there. Exactly. Um, I took Iowa plus 13 against Wisconsin. Um, They're going to Wisconsin, so that's always a tough place to play. Um, Don't necessarily think they'll be able to pull it out, but apparently Iowa has a high-flying offense now, so we'll (laughs) see. Um, I think 13 is just a little too big. I think they they need a little more respect. I think they're probably a top-20 type team, and Wisconsin hasn't been tested by anybody yet. This will be their toughest game. that's a game I'll, I'll, I'll be looking to watch for. Um, you know, could be a potential upset. Um, I, I believe uh, Wisconsin has already clinched their division. I'm not positive on that. Um, Iowa might still have a chance. But, uh, yeah, I, no, they, they did clinch their division because Iowa went undefeated out of conference. But, um, yeah, I think that's just that line's just a little too big right now. Iowa needs a little more respect after that big win against Ohio State. Yeah, I can see that. Um... I'm a little bit concerned that this might be a little bit of a letdown after that Let win and going to Camp Randall, but I mean, it's this this season's been wacky all over the place, so what do I know? <laughs> what does anyone know at this point? <laughs> I know nothing. You, why you why know do nothing. we why do we do this every week? We I don't. don't know that's the real question that we need to answer, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, that'll do it for another episode of the Road of His College Football Show. Uh, for Jordan, again, he's on Twitter at jhoover9787. I'm Kyle on Twitter at kylepollockff, and thanks for tuning in. Take it easy, guys. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Road of His Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Freeman. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at roadofhisradio. And remember, you can always support the podcast
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.